The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. That doesn't mean you also have to scream. <laughs> I was channeling my inner Robin Williams. So, I know, like, but don't no. shave the Robin Williams. <laughs> I got the reference. It doesn't mean that I needed my ear. ear- oh my god. <laughs> Words. Earmuffs. <laughs> didn't need my, my eardrums. <laughs> eardrums blown out. Four. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, speaking of eardrums, it is really funny now when I talk to doctors, because I've now seen three different doctors who have diagnosed my child with ear infections, um, baby jar. Uh, Hannah Beth, we really need to start keeping track of this, because I do want to donate something to charity after all of this is over. Um, ooh, maybe we can donate to the LA Children's Hospital, because somebody else didn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I'm still watching the case, and they tried to throw out Amber's we, case today, and it didn't work, but... We uh, might have to give her a... a- uh, no, we might have to give her a jar over this one too. Anyway, continue. Yes. Oh God, are we gonna need a Johnny Depp jar? <sighs> There's so many jars. I anyway. got a jar. Of <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, a jar yeah, of cocaine. Well, it's fine. <laughs> Watch that movie the other day. Couldn't stop laughing. That's all I could think Same. about. Was that video. Same. We, we've been watching them too, but I just that part gets me every time. Can, anyway. Yeah. Also, I watched Minamata, which was the uh, indie film that he did right before all this blew up. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Like, it's the first old man role that I've seen Johnny in. Mm. You forget that, like, he can do all the goofy shit. The man's a fucking thespian. He's a good fucking actor. Yeah. Like, I will say... The um some of his testimony in the case was talking about his relationship with Paul Bettany, mm-hmm. which they met on the set of The Tourist, which I don't know if you ever watched that with Angelina Jolie. It's been a really long time. It's a like strangely slept on film. Like it's really good. And I totally forgot Paul Bettany was in it until that testimony. And I was like, oh, yeah, I Cannot think of anything Paul Bettany was in other than The Avengers. Like whenever um, I hear Paul Bettany, I'm just like, um, he's Avengers. fucking um, what's it? What's he in The Knight's Tale? He's always naked in The Knight's Tale because he's um, <laughs> fucking hell. What, Chaucer. He plays yes, Chaucer. Yes, and I, yes, yes. It was gonna bug me until I came up with it. Uh, anyway, Jesus. So yeah, he's Chaucer, no. and he's in his vision, and he's um. Uh, in the tourist, not, apparently. Yeah, not a beautiful mind, but uh, that's the one. Nope, it's Effect? the no, it's the Stephen Hawking one. It's the mathematician who's schizophrenic. Pretty sure that's beautiful mind. Oh, son of a bitch! It's thought... anyway. Um, we <laughs> as fun as Paul Bettany is, we do actually. God need damn it! It's a beautiful into... mind. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I love being right. Um, I'm not competitive at all. <laughs> but Kat, we were going to discuss the Ministry of Magic and sort of explain how everything works, yes? Yeah, specifically the Hall of Prophecy. So the Ministry of Magic is a large government building with lots of floors. The difference is instead of going up, they go down, I believe. Mm, yes. yes, correct. Yes. They go further and further so, down into the earth. At least the the British Ministry of Magic. We should clarify. Yes. 
The so, American Ministry of Hell. Well, the the American Ministry of Magic, <laughs> of Magic is, goes up. Goes up because it goes into the Empire State Building. Anyway. It's a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Which ironically is also where Percy Jackson had Olympus. So like the, the Empire State Building is just now purely magical. But um, so when you get to the Ministry for Magic of Magic, you go through the either the fire or you can go through like a phone booth that brings you in, and then you get to that big open area that you see in movie seven when they take the atrium yeah when they take the polyjuice potion and they're the different people and they're walking through and all the fires and all that kind of stuff so when you go to the elevators you can go you know down 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 and the very very bottom level is where the um department of mysteries is so you know you've got like the law enforcement level you've got control of magical creatures you've got uh, sports and games all sorts of governmental entities uh, control of muggle artifacts where Arthur works all that kind of stuff those are all different floors and the last one is the Department of Mysteries and that's where they delve into mysterious magic so like um, in last week's episode we talked about like the brain light creatures that attacked Ron. Um, they also have the time room down there, which is where all the time turners are. The Department of Mysteries actually created the um, time turners. Um, what What's the name of the people who work in the Department of Mysteries? Unspeakables? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Unspeakables. So think, you know how people who work in the Imagineering Department, the Imagineers cannot talk about anything they do? That's what Unspeakables are. Yep. So they are just working on like super next level shit magic. Think like researching black holes equivalent of magic. And they work down there. And one of the other uh, rooms in the Department of Mysteries is the Hall of Prophecies. Every time somebody makes a prophecy, it is captured and put into a glass ball. Um, And the only person who can retrieve that prophecy is the person about whom it was made. Um, Ooh, I used whom right. And I didn't end on a preposition. No, yes. Excellent. Sorry, my inner grammarian is very happy. Uh, my mom has a shirt that says, I am the grammarian about whom your mother warned you. Oh my god, Hilarious. I need that shirt. And my, <laughs> it's great. As does my mother. <laughs> yes. Who uh, is a grammarian. Anyway. Yes. But anyway, so that's why they needed Harry in the Department of Mysteries, in the Hall of Prophecies, to get his own prophecy because he is the only person who can get it outside of Voldemort, who at that point could not like, go and get it, I guess. Also, other thing, Kat, cl- correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that she was asking earlier, it sounded like you thought that the Hall of Prophecy was separate from the ministry or didn't realize it was, like, part of it. Part of the things that's described really well in Book 5, but is not super well described in Dead of Time or in the movies, personally, because both of those assume that you've read book five um is whenever you go down the level and you get to the department of mysteries when the elevator doors open and you get off the lift it dumps you into this room that is a a singular room and then there's lots of doors all around and each of the doors goes into one of those departments so one door goes to the time room one door goes to the hall of prophecy one door goes to the brain where the and brain room, the room is spin yes so every time a door shuts so one of the doors leads to the elevator and it's hard to tell which one and then every time the door shut i think the it's whole a hallway because ro- it's a hallway because that's where they patrol and there that's where the picture of nigellus black is there has to be a hallway before oh yeah i guess so because nigellus would puke if he had to spin every time somebody closed a door <laughs> Maybe. Can you imagine being like a portrait on the wall and just like, wee! Every time the room spins. Pretty much. So, anyway, basically the doors reshuffle every time one of them shuts. So that it, in order, as a security measure to keep them out. So one of the things that's described in last week's episode is um, Remus comes upon a couple of doors where it looks like there may be some intentional marking of the doors, but maybe not. But it's where Hermione had done an inflagrante curse and put a giant X, so we and knew which an X. and knew which door they had already been through, so they wouldn't go through it again. So they wouldn't like happen back mm-hmm. into the veil room or happen into the brain room or time room or whatever space room, whatever it is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that answer the question that you had earlier? 
Vaguely. Yeah, I just I just imagined it as like a room filled of portraits with famous witches and wizards, like Hall of Presidents kind of thing. But uh, mm. there, yeah. I was like, why why the por- oh, Hall of Presidents makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> I'm sure and that probably say, exists elsewhere. That's often how parts of Malfoy Manor is described, is that there's like a hall of Malfoy descendants. And, well, that that was true in a lot of British ancient homes of like lords and ladies. They would have like yes. a gallery of Absolutely. the portraits yeah. of the entire family. I mean, Buckingham Palace has that. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody, ready to go stand still for 12 hours a day for a month so that we can have a family picture once ever? Yes. <laughs> Sounds fucking terrible. And that now I watch somebody who paints or draws people's portraits perfectly on a moving fucking train between stops and gives it to them. Phenomenal. But but also what else did they have to do? Fair. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like I entertainment I was not, limited. I would not have enjoyed the misogyny or the disease. Or the food options of, like, pre-Victorian England. But if I had been an aristocrat... Chris, damn it. I was like, I'm not going to say the Disney version. I'm not going to say the Disney... I said aristocrat. Aristocrat. Um, I think it would have been nice to just sit there and do needlepoint and read books all day. Like, that sounds great. (laughs) But but in a corset? Ooh. And lots of skirts? And also no indoor plumbing. So you have to pee over a little pot in all the skirts and a corset? You still you still want to do a needlepoint and read books? Because, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't want to sit over a ceramic pot that somebody has to throw out a window. They were also metal. Or they, they were uh, ceramic or porcelain. Porcelain. Yes. But anyway... Enough oh, wait, about hey. ancient toilets. Oh, and Kat had another tangent, I think. That was yeah, not what was your other thing? I feel like we just so, need to warn everybody at the beginning of every episode. Just skip ahead like 10 minutes and get through all the tangents if you're not interested. Because <laughs> we are trying to front end. I have really random thoughts that come out of nowhere, right? Yes. So, yes. obviously your children are very small. And you probably haven't thought about this. Maybe you have. I don't know. But when they ask That's that you we who- have. Yeah, if kids still do this, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do they still ask you where babies come from? Oh, and yes. Have you thought about what you're going to tell them? Because the thought that I had was, like, most parents ignore it, which is wrong. Some people tell them the truth, which is right. Some people tell them a form of the truth and the lie because they don't know how to, like, whatever. But I was thinking, telling them how traditionally ba- where babies come from kind of isn't right anymore because babies are formed all kinds of ways they can be made in a dish they can be adopted sometimes mommy has to get somebody else to carry it for them like they come in all different types of ways so i was just thinking how in the world do you tell a kid where babies come from when there are like five billion different ways to tell them where babies come from so i think the very basic answer that unifies all kids is as of right now in may of 2022 we don't have a way to raise a baby from zygote to infant outside of a mother's womb so saying that a you know but yeah no like you can say a mommy carries it but that's not always true because trans men can have babies too so yeah so I mean, it's crazy. I, I think I think starting I, wait, have you actually with thought about this? Because I have an of... actual answer. Because I've actually thought about it. Oh yeah, if you if you have a yeah, because I mean I've kind of, but not apparently to the level you have, because you seem very prepared. I mean, kind of, mostly just because it's things I've talked about or thought about. It it to me that's part of a larger larger conversation and something also I've seen research on is basically like it follows the same line of thinking of like as hard as it is for me growing up the way I did calling body parts by their proper names um, for consensual reasons because I have a friend who was um, sexually assaulted in college and did not have the terminology to be able to explain what happened to her because she did not have any understanding of... In college? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, she knew 
because she only knew Yes, Claire. Medical... I read an article. I read an article the other day where these guys, like these wives told stories about their husbands where they didn't know things about the female body. This lady's husband thought that their kid who was I think she said that she was 8 months pregnant thought that their kid was going to be like an animal and asked when their daughter was going to open their eyes. What? Because he thought that, because animals, like, you Come know. Come out blind. And, oh, yes. my God. Okay, and but... he was like, so when's she going to open her eyes? So it happens. People don't know things. So it. she knew all of the anatomy. She did not have any sense of being able to explain, like, a, she called it, like, street language so she could say like oral sex but didn't necessarily I mean she knew what a blue job was but it was just like the idea of being able to reciprocate or or talk about things and put two and two together or realize really that there are steps between like making out and intercourse like there's a whole lot of sexual oh, yeah. experience between those two things um but anyway so part of a consent conversation starts with being able to explain what body parts do really young yes. um so to me that's part of the larger conversation there so being able to explain so you have a penis and 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 other people have vulvas and people with vulvas people with penises kept you know like there's ways to get together that egg and sperm make zygote which then can become baby so there's parts of that and there's also levels like some of the things around like how much information or details you talk about is Mm -hmm. depending on age so there's that but then also conversations about families are formed all sorts of ways yes so i think there's the biological aspect of Egg meat sperm grows inside of uterus, eventually exit via canal. And also some people adopt, some people ha- need help. Um, exit via I mean, canal or sunroof. Just, or, or sunroof, yes, yes. Just um, There, and I'm very excited that I get to talk about this. There is an awesome website that I highly recommend that anyone with children at any age looks at and it is sex positive families um dot com. Oh, I've seen this. They have stuff for people talking to kids under the age of two, over the age of 18. Like they have the full gamut of things to talk about your child or how to talk to your child about different things. Like they have it all organized by age. It's awesome. We do have to get started at some point. We do. Okay, yes, we can cut through this if we need to but anyway the dead of time what had happened was bitch <laughs> i feel like we now need another version of the shirt that says bitch <laughs> i i i should have just just mouthed that whole conversation because i knew that you were gonna say anyway dead of time and that cat was gonna say uh what had happened was <laughs> never fails never fails Okay, so what had happened was... Yes. So, they all Oh, shit, in... I opened my smut instead of the dead of time. I was like, wait, oh, why is there a hot Italian guy? Sorry, continue. What hot Italian guy? Ferrara. It's the... It's another continuation of the... The Miles High Club, but it's on the Italian guy. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, anyway, the dead of time. What had happened was... Cat's so fucking done with us. Okay. I ask one question and it turns into an hour. Okay. That's fine. So. 22 minutes. Jesus Christ, Claire, I'm going to slap you. I'm going to buy a plane ticket and I'm going to slap you. (laughs) (laughs) Claire has just locked her mouth and thrown away the key. Oi. Okay. So, they walked into the Hall of Prophecy, and everything was a mess, basically. Like, big explosion. Who Who is they? Just as a clarification. The peoples. <laughs> <laughs> but, but which peoples? The Harry and Friends or Order yes, Members? there you go. Harry and Friends. It was Remus and Sirius and Tonks. It, okay, there it, you yeah. go. And Kingsley. It was order members. Okay, continue. Yeah, but the whole time they were asking where Harry was. That's correct. There you go. 
Okay, so Hermione was hurt. She was unconscious because she got hit by the same spell that killed Charles and Remus and everybody's, like, freaking out, like, serious, too, but mainly, like, Remus freaking out. And Neville broke his nose, and Claire's voice for him was a little bit annoying, but whatever. But and it was accurate. It was accurate, but it was a little bit What's annoying. wrong with having a broken nose cap? Sorry, continue. Yeah. So, there was a fight with a Death Eater. Spells were flying everywhere. And then Dumbledore shows up, because that's what he does. And then Sirius got hit by a spell because Bellatrix is a butt nugget and <laughs> hit him. And then I'm assuming he went into the veil and then he died because now we're back to the beginning-ish, I guess, because he's going to be brought back. So then Hermione woke up and she's all like wonky from her pain meds and all that stuff. So her and Remus had a conversation about why he calls her love. And then I believe they also talked about some things that happened in the future when she is Maya and she was just going along with it. And I was just like, how do you know this? Like, you're Hermione still. And then, like, eventually Remus is like, okay, you need to go to sleep. We need to stop talking about this. Okay, you can sleep yep. now. Okay. <laughs> Did you find the key that you threw away? Yeah. <laughs> I'm making editing notes and sending them to you. Uh, are you are you are you drinking a bubbly thing? Is that why you keep burping the last few episodes? Because you're drinking bubbly things. I'm drinking a bubbly thing now, but the last few episodes I was drinking regular water. I'm just gassy. <laughs> I, the dark wizard calls me gassy ass because I fart a lot. So. <laughs> Oh, my husband calls me a gassy lassie. Actually, no. He calls my dog and my son that. I don't understand why. They're not lassies, but okay. I mean, the argument could be made that Max is more of a lassie than you, but... Because <laughs> he's a dog. I get it. Also, exceptionally gassy. Farted three inches away from my face this morning, and I almost fucking died. <laughs> so fucking uncalled for. I had a very long night with a sick child, and I was not impressed. But I almost oh Jesus, I forgot my camera was there. <laughs> Jesus. I scared the shit out of Hannah Pat. I forgot I moved my camera to my ring light instead of being on top of my computer, so I almost whacked the shit out of it. Uh, <laughs> I'm okay. Everything is awesome. Oh, I can't do Everything that. is good. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Ah, oh, damn it, I didn't eat my cake pop while Kat was doing her thing. Son of a just... It's fine. <laughs> Love you. Author's note. Reference chasers can read Order of the Phoenix chapter 38. How many fucking chapters is Order of the Phoenix? Because I keep thinking we're done with it and she keeps referencing chapters. Oh, wait, isn't it the longest book in the series? Yes. Okay, just that makes more sense. Yeah. Chapter 121. The Right Thing. And my head fills in to do because also a great fan fiction series. If you have not read it, I fucking love the right thing to do, all the wrong things. And the auction I was iffy on purely because I read Manacled first, but um, they're all really, really good. Oh my God, I'm so fucking congested. I'm going to murder every plant that pollinates, except for my plants because I love them and they're sweet babies. Um, For the record, there's 38 chapters. Okay, so this is the last chapter of Word of the Phoenix. Perfect. Which means we only have to get through book six because chapter one starts at the beginning of book seven. Correct. All right, cool. Also, oh my god, my brain just totally brain farted. Also, <laughs> sorry. Uh, those of you who grew up in the early 90s understand that I'm in imitating the internet. Those of you who do not know what the fuck that was, please stop listening to my podcast. You're making me feel old. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. No, please continue listening. Don't kick out the listeners. Oh, we only have five. Including this one, we only have five episodes left. Such a short season. Made longer by the fact that we keep having to delay by a week. <laughs> June 30th, 1996. Remus stood at the train station just outside of the barrier between platforms 9 and 10, rubbing the bridge of his nose as a severe headache took hold of him. 
The lack of sleep he'd had worrying at Hermione's bedside, mixed with his anxiety over being unable to see Dora and the grief over Sirius's death, had made the lead-up to the full moon unbearable. The worst in decades. Dora had made it out of the battle okay in the end. Despite her own grief over losing her cousin, her hair was a bright bubblegum pink, which usually meant she was in a good mood. The sight of her standing beside him must have looked ridiculous to the passing muggles. She was energy, youth, light, and life, and he was an old, scarred, broken, bitter mess. Never before had he identified more with a 19-year-old Sirius, who was too eager to bury his problem at the bottom of a bottle. Remus, however, knew that liquor would only make his headache worse, and, considering how much he would need to drink to get properly pissed thanks to his lycanthropy, it would never be worth it in the end. Plus, fire whiskey cost money, something Remus was sorely lacking. Alright, you know what, bitch? You have money from Sirius and money from the Potters. Fucking use that shit, because I know you're not. Anyway. Fred and George, the most recent ex-Hogwarts students, approached the gathered group, grinning from ear to ear. Remus stared at their obviously new jackets. Dragon skin? Fred grinned. The best dragon skin. That money can buy. George finished with a smirk. And money is rolling in by the barrels. Pause. Can you imagine in the UK where it is humid so much of the year wearing a full leather suit? Because... Yeah. Okay, well, anyway. I feel like end of June may not be too bad because they're still up north. July, August, September, yeah, but I mean, most just, of June is still technically spring. But but it's not about the heat, it's about the humidity. Oh, the humidity. Ew, oh my god, I'm thinking Ross and the baby powder. Yes! Huh? That's... <laughs> A full suit of of leather that's so impenetrable they use it. Well, I think they're no, they're only wearing jackets. They're only wearing jackets. But still, as long as it's not pants. I think still. Yeah. (laughs) Fred grinned. The best dragon skin that money can buy. George finished with a smirk. And money is rolling in by the barrels. In case you can't tell, that's two different twins talking and finishing each other's sentences. We'll be opening up our own shop in Diagon Alley soon, Fred proudly announced. Already scouted a few places. I used to live in Diagon Alley, Remus said thoughtfully. If you can find a balance between business and fun, you boys will do quite well. How do you know that? George asked, suspiciously. Because I was your professor for a whole year. Despite what you like to let people think of you, I know how smart the pair of you are. Since you were once our professor, Fred remarked speculatively, stepping closer to Remus to avoid the disapproving glare that his mother was giving them, shouldn't you be telling us how we should drop all of this nonsense and go back to Hogwarts? Remus shrugged, not caring much either way. Fred and George looked happy. Remus envied them. Maybe, but don't you ever forget whose name came first on the Marauder's map? he said with a smirk that felt a little too forced as though he were trying to be happy when he knew he had no right to be. Can you look up the original order of the marauders' names on the map for me while I read, please? I have a theory. Okay. Fred and George did not seem to notice. They each stood tall, adjusted their jackets, and gave a low bow before him that looked a little over the top, yet strangely genuine. Messrs. Mooney, Wormtail, Petfoot, and Pronks. It's in reverse order that... No, yeah, it's in reverse order that they died. Yes, it is. I just thought about that. I was like, I think it was Mooney, Wormtail, Pads, and Prongs. And sure enough... Because Wormtail kills himself in Malfoy Manor and then Remus is the last to die. Mm-hmm. During the Battle of Hogwarts. So sad. Yep. <sighs> okay, well that was depressing. Good job, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> We're much obliged, Mr. Mooney, Fred declared. Many thanks to you, Mr. Mooney, George proclaimed. The two put an arm around one another and moved to stand with their parents, grinning in the face of the disappointment that was rolling off of Molly Weasley in thick waves. Dora stepped closer to Remus and linked her arm with his. You sure made those two happy. 
Remus sighed, wondering if he could shrug off her arm without causing a scene. Remember when they tell Molly what I said? Er, damn it. Remember that, when they tell Molly what I said, and she starts screaming at me. You all right, love? Fine, he lied, just eager to see Harry and Hermione. A glance at his mate made him wince internally. She was wearing a bright purple Weird Sisters t-shirt and patched jeans, but her patches were due to style, not because they were the only pair she had. Quite different from the patches on his trousers and the shabby, threadbare condition of his jumper and overcoat. He looked away from her bitterly, tugging his arm out of her grip as the student stepped through the barrier, not bothering to look at Dora's face. He knew she would be gaping at him in concern. Ron, Ginny! Molly hurried forward, hugging her children tightly. And Harry, dear, how are you? Hello, Harry. Remus offered a tight smile as he approached the boy, putting an arm around his shoulders. A part of him had thought to ask Dumbledore if he could allow Harry to return home with him for the summer, like he had always meant to. He had not had the chance to before Dumbledore was plotting out the next step for the order, which was a familiar step for Remus and one that did not include a teenage boy being left in his care. Before he lost his nerve, Remus had requested something else, something he felt that James, Lily, Sirius, and Maya would approve of. A Dursley confrontation. Hi, Harry said. I didn't expect... What are you all doing here? Well, we thought we might have a little chat with your aunt and uncle before letting them take you home. Harry frowned up at Remus, looking uncomfortable. His shoulders stiffened in a way that left Remus feeling more protective than usual. I don't know if that's a good idea. Oh, I think it is, Moody snarled. That'll be them, right, Potter? He pointed with his thumb over his shoulder. His magical eye was evidently peering through the back of his head. Harry and Remus turned to see the Muggle family staring at the crowd with shock and disdain. Remus growled under his breath, a part of him eager to approach the Dursleys on his own and threaten Vernon the same way he had years ago in the middle of a muggle cemetery. "'Ah, Harry!' Arthur called out, pulling Remus's attention back to their own little group. His eyes fell on Hermione, who was off to the side speaking with a couple whom he figured were her parents, her muggle parents. It was a strange sight seeing the little witch hug the couple with great affection— the same way she used to hug Charles and Doria. He frowned at the memory, a part of him wondering how Maya's heart had been large enough to not only include all the strays she picked up along her path, Jane, Sirius, and his self at the forefront, but a second set of parents, one that she had loved with as much energy as she did the f this first pair. There seemed to be no limit to her affection. "'Well, shall we do it then?' Arthur asked. "'Yeah, I reckon so, Arthur.' Moody said. The entire group, Hermione now included, approached Lily's sister and her family. "'Good afternoon,' Arthur said brightly as he smiled at Vernon, who glared back at him. "'You might remember me. My name's Arthur Weasley. We thought we'd just have a few words with you about Harry.' "'Yeah,' Moody said. "'About how he's treated when he's at your place.' Remus watched closely as Vernon's mustache twitched at the obvious implica implication. He glared at the man, just for existing. Glancing down at Hermione, he saw she was offering the muggle the same expression as he was. "'I'm not aware that it is any of your business what goes on in my house.' "'I expect what you're not aware of would fill several books, Dursley,' Moody snapped." It's one of my favorite lines. Fucking epic. What a great insult. Yes. I, I really need to, like, tuck that away for times when I need to not be nice to people. Anyway, that's not the point, Dora interjected, stepping forward. Petunia stepped away from her, gaping in horror at the bright pink hair. The point is, if we find out you've been horrible to Harry, and make no mistake, we will hear about it. Remus added, almost pleasantly, grinning a little when Vernon's attention was drawn to him. He purposefully forced his eyes to shift gold, hoping to remind the muggle that yes, they had met, and yes, he was still as dangerous as he had been back then, and yes, all of the threats he made years ago still applied. 
Yes, even if you won't let Harry use the felly tone, Arthur began. Telephone, Hermione whispered. Yeah, if we get any hint that Porter's been mistreated in any way, you'll have us to answer to, Moody said. Are you threatening me, sir? Vernon asked so loudly that passerby actually turned to stare. Moody grinned, his crooked smile looking sadistic. Yes, I am. And do I look like the kind of man who can be intimidated? Vernon barked. Moody pushed back his hat to reveal his sinisterly revolving magical eye. Vernon leapt backward in horror and collided painfully with a luggage trolley. Yes, I'd have to say you do, Dursley. He turned back to Harry. So, Porter, give us a shout if you need us. If we don't hear from you for three days in a row, we'll send someone along. Remus looked at Petunia, who was staring at him with horrified recognition, and he growled low at her in reply, enjoying the way that the woman whimpered in fear. It pleased him, knowing that Sirius would have threatened the muggles similarly if he had... If he was... Take care, Harry, Remus said, patting the boy on the back. He went in for a hug, but Molly was all too eager to grab the boy and smother him, and needlessly shouldered Remus out of her way. Bitch! <laughs> Sorry. Annoyed, he turned back to Moody, who was already limping away from the muggles as Molly released Harry into their care. Right then, Moody began, going right back into order mode. Porter's taken care of. Weasleys, grab your brood and get out of here. Everyone else, I suppose, wait for news from Albus when he figures out how to access headquarters without black. Could have just used Tonks if the old bugger hadn't gone and got the goblins involved. Now who knows who the bloody owner of the house is. Lupin, if you've got time today, I'd like to... I don't, Remus stated firmly. I'm taking Hermione and her parents home. Minerva set up security wards for the Grangers, but I'm going to check and strengthen them. He turned to look at the witch, who smiled sweetly at him in gratitude. He could tell that, especially after the recent battle. She was worried for her family. He dipped his head to her as she walked away from the group to tell her parents to wait for him. Tomorrow, then, Moody said. I'll be in a week. Moody huffed, not used to having his orders ignored by anyone other than Sirius. If you've got something better to do, then... Remus turned on the man and snarled, feeling the wolf hovering just under the surface of his skin. He could see his gold eyes reflected back at him in Moody's magical one. I'm sorry, Alistair. Damn it. It's Alastair, isn't it? Or is it Alistair? No, it's Alistair. I said it right. Okay. I'm sorry, Alistair. But yes, I do have something better to do. Tomorrow's the full fucking moon, so I'll be trapped in my cellar while all of my bones break and then reset themselves. Then, if it's all the same to you, I'll be recovering from that for a few days while simultaneously grieving over the fact that one of my best friends was just murdered. Again! Everyone froze in utter silence. Molly had pressed her lips into a tight line, whether to hide her sympathy over his loss or her disapproval of his language. He wasn't sure. Arthur's expression was nothing but piteous, which pissed Remus off. Even Fred and George had stopped smiling. He refused to glance at Dora. He could almost feel her emotions pouring off of her. Moody stared at Remus, unblinking, which Remus gave him a lot of credit for. Not many men would be able to stand in front of a raging werewolf without flinching. Right. Take care of yourself, then. Next week. It was the closest to an apology as anyone would ever get out of the man. Do you want me to come with you to the Grangers, love? Dora asked as the rest of the order parted ways. No. Remus! I said no, Nymphadora. He snapped at her, wincing immediately at her hurt reaction. He looked down and sighed in regret. Just, I'm sorry. It's all right. I know the moon's approaching. Yes, yes, the moon was coming, and Remus was sorely prepared for it. 
he and Sirius had been planning for this moon, the first moon of the summer, and they were hoping to have Harry back at Grimmauld Place, where they would overindulge in chocolate cake and whatever other sweets they could convince Molly to bring them, before he and Sirius would retire to the basement to wait out the moon. Now, though, he would be alone, back in the cellar of Lupin Cottage. Can we meet tonight? Remus asked. She smiled at him, lovingly. The naive innocence in her eyes was like a needle right through his heart. Dinner at your place? He shook his head and tore his gaze away from her. I'd prefer drinks. There's a pub down the way here, he answered, gesturing. Not the leaky? The suspicion in her voice was evident, so he looked back at her, hoping that eye contact would prevent her from making a scene. No, it's, um, it's a muggle place. She raised an eyebrow. Her blue eyes stared at him as though she could see into his mind. Remus looked away again. A muggle bar? Remus, what's going on? I have to go. I'll send you a Patronus when I'm done, he said quickly, and then turned away from her, rushing over to where Hermione stood with her parents. Mr. and Mrs. Granger, how do you do? He forced a smile to his lips, extended a hand to the pair of muggles. I'm Remus Lupin. Richard, Hermione's father introduced himself. My wife, Helen, he said, gesturing to the brunette standing beside him. Remus looked the pair over, surprised at how much Hermione looked like them both. He had been equally surprised to learn long ago that Maya had been adopted. Granted, she had never had the unfortunate Potter hair, as Doria called it, but he had still always looked at the witch as a smaller copy of her Slytherin mother. Yet here, standing in front of the muggles, he could not deny the obvious similarities. Pleasure, he smiled at the couple, and shook hands with each of them. I'll be accompanying you. I'll be accompanying you home this year. I know that Professor McGonagall put up some standard security measures for your home a while back. She's asked me to double-check them for her. Helen frowned. Is everything all right? Remus glanced briefly down at Hermione, who smiled sweetly, but very subtly shook her head in a gesture that only he appeared to catch and understand. Nothing to be concerned about. He assured them with lies that tasted like ash in his mouth. Like I said, it's fairly standard. Most magical homes have their own personal family protections, so Hogwarts likes to take special care of the Muggleborn students who don't have access to such things. Oh, are you from Hogwarts then? Richard asked. Lupin, Helen whispered, and looked down at her daughter. Hermione, didn't you once have a teacher named Lupin? Yes, Mum. Hermione nodded. This is Remus Lupin, formerly Professor Lupin. Remus was thrilled to finally be rid of the girl seeing him as a strict authority figure. I see, Helen said, as her brown eyes raked over Remus. Well, it's so nice to meet you. Hermione just went on and on about how wonderful you were in her letters home. Hermione's cheeks flushed red. Mum! Remus forced himself not to groan miserably. She's a very bright young witch, he said politely, then reached for Hermione's trunk. Let me get that for you, Hermione. I'm fine, Remus, she assured him, and then paused. I mean, profess... Mr. Lupin? Remus blanched, almost dropping the trunk in the process as he shook his head emphatically. I told you, Remus is fine. I've got this. You shouldn't be lifting anything heavy. Why not? Helen asked. Hermione's face went momentarily pale. Oh, I, um, I was in a little accident at school. Accident? Richard's eyes widened. What kind of accident? I fell off my broom. Hermione lied. Remus stared at her. Broom? That was the best you could come up with? You said you hated flying, Helen said suspiciously. Hermione laughed, nerves evident in her tone. And what do you know? Now I hate it more. It's nothing, Mom. Just a few scrapes. Madame Pomfrey sent me home with some potions. It's hard to explain. You... you wouldn't understand. The Grangers turned and looked at Remus as though he could perhaps explain it better, but Remus only offered an apologetic smile in return. 
I feel like Hermione using it's a magic thing you wouldn't understand is the Timmy Turner equivalent of, uh, internet, when his parents asked where the things from the fairly godparents came from. That's valid. Have you seen that? Speaking of fairly odd parents, have you seen the trend on TikTok of a green and pink thing next to each other in your house? People being like, <laughs> just calling it Wanda and Cosmo. Yeah. I have not, but that is cute. Oh my god, my stuffy nose is killing me. I'm sorry, my voice is sound so funny, guys. Everybody sounds like Remus with a broken nose now. Yay. Remus with a broken nose? Damn it, Neville. Just checking. Remus stepped out of the front door of the Granger home after checking on Minerva's wards and adding about six of his own personal ones, just in case. Hermione's parents offered him tea and biscuits and then even insisted that he stay for dinner. The reminder that he still had drinks planned with Dora forced him to decline, which was just as well seeing that tomorrow was the full moon and he wasn't in full control of himself. Considering how much Hermione had kept about her injuries from her parents, he was fairly certain that she had never told them that she knew a werewolf, or that they even existed, and he was not in the mood to answer questions from curious and or frightened muggles. Thank you for not telling my parents anything, Hermione said as she walked him out. You were right. They wouldn't understand. She nodded and folded her arms across her chest, letting out a sigh. The stress played on her the same way it did him making her look years older than she really was. They'd take me away, make me leave Hogwarts and the Wizarding World. I can't do that. Harry needs me. Remus smiled softly at her. You are the most loyal friend I have ever known. When she smiled up at him, a piece of his soul he thought was dead along with Sirius felt like it was trying to spark itself back to life. Harry, Remus cleared his throat. <clears throat> Harry is so lucky to have you. Are you going to be okay, Remus? Don't you worry about me, love, he said, and leaned forward, pressing his lips against her forehead in a chaste kiss. Enjoy your summer, take care of Harry, and... and I'll write when I can. He promised, and turned around to disapparate. Remus! He looked back to see her frowning. He sighed, hoping that she didn't ask him for details about what he would be doing or where he would be going. It was going to be a hard enough day, followed by the worse, by a worse rest of his life. For after tomorrow, she said with a soft smile, and slipped something into the pocket of his overcoat. Remus looked down and saw the familiar foil wrapping of a Honeyduke's chocolate bar. He smiled in gratitude, but closed his eyes, unable to look at her as he disapparated. Dora was glaring at him, which, with the current color of silver-gray eyes she was sporting, left him feeling genuinely frightened of her. A muggle bar, she said, looking around. Very public. Somewhere I am legally not allowed to hex you without breaking the international statute of secrecy. He winced and looked down, reaching for the pint of beer that the bartender had placed in front of him and drinking it, half of it in one go. He didn't want to linger any longer than he needed to. A crowd like this, she continued. I'd have to call in at least twelve people down from the Obliviation Squad. Interesting choice, a crowded muggle bar, considering you hate crowds to begin with, especially the day before the full moon. Dora. I'm not stupid, Remus, she glared at him. I know what you're doing. You are very young, and... Her eyes flashed dangerously, and he immediately knew he had said the wrong thing. I may not be able to hex you, but I'll break your fucking nose if you finish that sentence. I love her so much. She's a whole mood. Mm-hmm. He believed her. Remus swallowed hard at the sight of her fury. A voice that sounded a lot like Sirius piped up in the back of his head. I told you witches are sexy when they're angry. He did his best to silence that voice, as well as the wolf in his head who was fighting against him, knowing what he was trying to do. You don't get to break up with me, Remus Lupin. Dora shook her head defiantly. You're grieving. So am I. And you're panicking. And just... I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm your mate! 
Remus looked around, eyes wide, thankful that no one was paying them much attention. Still, a public display was now something she was clearly not worried about, and he was not going to let her throw away her career by causing a scene and breaking the law. He grabbed her hand and pulled her out the door, tossing some muggle money on the counter. Once they were outside, they passed a few buildings until they came to a small alley where Remus threw up a muggle-repelling charm and a notice-me-not for good measure. "'You are my mate,' he said, agreeing with her, "'which is why your protection and happiness are the most important things in the world to me. "'You're not safe with me. You deserve—you deserve—' Dora petulantly rolled her eyes. "'Someone younger? Someone wealthier? Someone not a werewolf?' "'Yes!' I don't care. I want you. I love you. Don't do this. You deserve a choice. I made my choice. She gripped him by the lapels of his overcoat. No, no. Magic did. Fate did. He insisted, trying to gently pry her hands away from him. This was already hard enough. Saying no to her had taken practice, and it was killing him to push her away. You just don't know any better because we jumped right into this and I didn't even give you the option to say no. Remus, we're meant to be. You too are meant to be, Remus told his stubborn Sirius. I don't want to be meant to be. I want her to have a fucking choice so she's not forced into a shit life because fate thought it would be hilarious to have her bound to the black blood traitor. I don't want it to be meant to be, he mumbled softly, nearly a whisper as he looked down. He winced when she placed her hands on either side of his face. I want you to have a choice and not be forced into a life because fate decided to bind you to a monster. She finally pulled away from him, scoffing loudly. Oh, please, you are not the big bad wolf you like to tell yourself you are. You were freaking out because Sirius died, and Hermione and I were injured, and you think it's all your fault. You can't save everyone, Remus. It's not your job. It is my job, and I... I can't do it. I'm not good at it. Everyone I love dies, and the future has changed. I changed something. I ruined everything. I don't know how, but I lost James and Lily and Sirius and Maya... And now, he stepped away from her, the pain in his chest tightening, the coldness spreading and his magic stretching inside of him, trying to reach out for the broken pieces of him that were now lost forever. You okay, Kat? Yeah. She's just sinking further and further down. She's like melting into the bed. <laughs> So you think that everyone's gone, and instead of clinging to me, you're just tossing me aside to, what, make it easier for us both? Hoping to. You're a fucking idiot. I'm aware. He's also a cinnamon roll. Yeah, he really is. Silence filled the gap between them as they leant on the brick walls of the alley, facing one another. He was waiting for her to yell and cry, call him an arsehole, and slap him across the face. Maybe tell him that she had never really loved him or curse him for breaking her heart. What he had not expected was, I refuse. Remus blinked, confused. Excuse me? I said, I fucking refuse. She spoke slowly, as though he were stupid. Maybe he was. I'm your mate, so you're stuck with me. Remus groaned, rubbing a hand over his face. Dora, please don't make this any harder. Have you met me? She asked with a... F I'm sorry, I'm really loving Dora in this entire chapter. This is so much fun to do. never identified with her more oh my god she is a hufflepuff cat she's your people i know she's my people have you met me she asked with a forced laugh i make everything exceptionally more difficult and up until two weeks ago you loved that about me i'm a black raise your hand if that resonates with you <laughs> 
laughs in recently diagnosed ADHD. <laughs> uh, We're gonna need an ADHD jar because you have mentioned there's that so, so many so jars. <laughs> There's a jar for babies and for Johnny. God damn it. And have you noticed story. that I am not the one who contributes to these jars? It is always Claire who contributes to the jars. I never contribute to the jar. And if I do, it's very rare that I contribute to the jars. She did ask a question about babies earlier, so baby jar. Yeah, but that was deep. It was deep. This podcast brought to you by the healing power of Starbucks chai lattes and cake pops. That you got delivered. <laughs> that I got delivered. <laughs> In my defense, I had a disgusting amount of Uber Eats points okay. and I got money off. Okay, yes, yes, we have to go. I do have to work uh, some today at yes, some point. Yes, And I have to eat at some point. I also yes. have to pump. Anyway, continue. Yes. Oh, God. Oh, so do I. Um, shit, baby Joe. I'm a black. Yes. I'm a black. And just because Sirius is dead doesn't mean you get to toss the whole family away. You don't want to date me? Fine. You'll get over it. Sirius told me you went through a weird relationship shit with Maya, too. Remus winced at the memories. The way his father had looked at him in St. Mungo's, as though being in public with Maya had been a sin against his very nature. Scandalous and unnatural. I want that as a t-shirt now. Scandalous and unnatural. Sorry. <laughs> Claire Green, get on that. Yeah. You can't have a life with me. No witch can. Dora, you were injured. You could have died, and I couldn't even go see you. She was an oar and clumsy to boot. She would always end up getting hurt. Did she expect to just sit in St. Mungo's each and every time while her boyfriend, lover, husband, whatever he could be to her, sat at home twiddling his thumbs? I can't offer you anything but danger. The war's getting worse and Dumbledore wants me to. Her anger briefly subsided as her eyes widened. Wants you to what? I'm going undercover, he whispered, and then added, Again. What do you mean, again? After a moment, she inhaled sharply as she put the pieces together. Wait, the packs? Remus, is the... Is your pack bond strong enough for that? Sirius said that last time you almost... It'll have to be, he answered, unsure of himself. Dora shook her head in a panic. Don't go! I have to. This is what I can do for the Order. This is how I can help. She brought her hand up to her mouth and nervously chewed on the edge of her thumbnail. After several moments of anxious silence, she made eye contact with him, looking determined. Mark me. His eyes widened at the words, the volume of his voice drowning out the sound of the howling wolf in his mind. What? No, absolutely not. She stepped closer to him, as though she knew how weak he was at the moment, knew that the full moon was tomorrow, and he was weak. Weak because she was offering him everything, right there, on a silver platter. She had no idea the simple words made him harden instantly, his body aching, the need to bury himself inside of her stronger than it had ever been before. Mark me, she whispered against his lips, not yet kissing him. Remus held his breath to avoid her scent, knowing it would send him over the edge and he would lose himself entirely to the wolf. Bring me into your pack. He shook his head desperately. It'll put you in danger. It's practically marriage. Then marry me. He shut his eyes tightly. Even looking at her was painful. Dora, you don't know. You don't know what you're saying. He should have expected it when she had first said that she refused to let him break up with her. She certainly was a black witch, kissing him at his weakest with his eyes closed, unprepared for the assault. Her lips crushed against his, and before he had a chance to even think about what he was doing, his fingers were buried in her pink hair as he thrust his tongue into her mouth, tasting the sweetness of her. She tasted like sugar and magic and sunshine and life, and when she moaned, the sound went straight to his cock. Yeah, wide-eyed cat. Haven't seen that in a while. Makes me happy. I love that all we can see is her eyes. Like, it's yes. just it's just yep. nose up. 
<laughs> Guys, I'm scared. <laughs> he had always worried about hurting her, about losing control with her, but instead it was J Dora taking charge as she shoved him against the brick wall, jumping into his arms and latching her thighs around his hips. He was drunk on the feel of her touching him, tempting him into submission. Mooney did not appreciate being submissive. Suddenly, overpowered by the wolf, Remus's hands were gripping tightly on her arse, pulling her hard against him. He rutted his erection against her like a bloody teenager, like a wild animal, trying to take control of the situation. She broke their kiss and stared deep into his eyes, which he knew had been molten gold by this point. They were both panting as they tried to catch their breath, almost as if she was worried he'd forgotten, which he had. Dora tilted her head to the side and bared her shoulder to him. No! Remus practically threw her away from him. I'm sorry, I, I have to go, he said in a panic and ran down to the end of the alleyway. Remus! Tonks called after him, tears in her eyes. He turned back and watched as her vivid pink hair began fading from the roots, as though draining away from her and seeping out into the ether leaving behind a dull, mousy brown. Weak, and knowing it was cowardly, Remus closed his eyes and disapparated away. What, no cuddling? Bitch. No cuddling. <laughs> he cock-blocked himself! Ay ay ay. But with that, let's go ahead and thank our patrons! He, he spilled the water Wait. and then cleaned it up. He didn't even leave it there. What? What? What is that a reference to? <laughs> <laughs> eat that cake pop, Claire. Eat that cake pop. Okay, wait. Also, you went straight into thinking patrons and gave Cat zero room to react to the chapter. For like, so... like the third week in a row. What you think? I think your cake pop looks like a boob. <laughs> it's it melted. Hi. <laughs> oh, it does. I see the little nipple. Oh my. All right, we're gonna rotate that so it looks. Oh god, there's a nipple on both sides. See? Oh my god. There we go. That wasn't nice. That was so rude. Claire what? eating a cake pop? No, him just leaving. That's so rude. So I know what's crazy is that, um, as per usual, Micah is listening to the audiobooks for the four thousandth time through because once he finishes, he just starts them back over. Um, Attaboy. boy. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so I'm pretty sure he's actually read the books more than I have at this point because <laughs> this has been the case for the last like two or three years. So he just like has the audiobooks on repeat. He also refuses to read fan fiction because it will fuck up his knowledge of canon, which is annoying, but I respect it. Um, anyway, so he's currently in the middle of book six, and so it's the, all the descriptions of Dora with the mousy hair and the new Patronus and all of those things, like, happened fairly recently on top of, um... Remus being gone and spying for the Order and all the shit leading up to the Horcruxes stuff. Anyway, it's just was messing me up. This is essentially book five and he is reading book six and I kept mixing up timelines while you were reading. It was fun. It was one of those things like, I think when I first read the books, I assumed that the mousy brown hair was because her cousin died and she was upset. But now it's because men are stupid and broke her heart. Yeah. It's not even broke her heart. It's like broke his own heart. Yeah. For refusing to be happy. Yes. Basically. <sighs> yes, I know that we are mates and we have a magical bond and you will never be happy with anybody but me. But you can't be with me. <laughs> like, yeah. There's a country song that our friends sing a lot just to be obnoxious, but the chorus goes... Fuck you, bitch. You broke my heart. And uh, <laughs> it makes me think of that every time I read this part of the story. But it, like, That's to himself. pretty accurate. 
I love it. <sighs> no thoughts from the Catherine Peanut Gallery beyond Remus was being rude? Not at the moment. All right. Ask me again next time. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Claire, thank the people so I can have some food. Right. Thank you, patrons. Let's go. Last time for the May patrons. We'd like to thank our May foxes. Tyler, Anthony, Professor Magana got it going on. Jade, Tori, Sierra, Leanne, Stacy, Steph, Camille, Sandra, Shannon, Claire, Martina, Kayla, Lynn, Amara, Diana, Nicole, Amber, Kenny, Jackie, Jordan, Sarah, Ryland, Matthias, Chelsea, Carissa, Sarah, Rachel, Samantha, Ashley Lynn, Kaylin, April, Cauldron Mist, Sarah, another one for the baby jar, Crystal, Ryder, Audrey, Cassie, Melissa, Catherine, Samantha, Nina, Shauna, Katie Cat, Dan, Crystal, Miriam, Sylvia, Misha, Jillian, Kendra, Ash, Brittany, Becky, Catherine, Chris, Montana, Laura, Crystal, Frau Holly, Jamie, Matthew, Tanya, and Jasmine. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all of our May patrons. We are going to try to get the June patrons next week, but it is also going to come out on the 3rd, so it may be a little delayed. Uh, But thank you again so much for contributing to the podcast. We love you. We wouldn't be here without you. This is also a reminder that if you use our link... Uh, in our link tree on Instagram to buy stuff from Tee Public, uh, we don't just get money from our merch; we get money from all of the merch. So, if you are interested in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Lord of the Rings, uh, possums that say "heck," definitely not a shirt I recently bought myself, um, or anything like that, we get money from those. So, please, if you buy stuff from Tee Public, please remember to use our link because then we get money from both our merch and everybody else's merch. So, yay! <laughs> Uh, We will have lots of exciting sales coming in, actually, when this releases, we will be in the middle of a sale that will last until May 30th. So go ahead and get that 35% off and enjoy our merch. And we will see you next. Fire with you Friday. Whatcha? That was a new one. It's a little high pitched. A little high pitched. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Mm-hmm.